Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the opportunity you've given us to be able to gather in your house and now to get into your word. Help us now as we continue studying through the, the book of Romans that we can understand the message and apply it in the right way. Thank you oh so much for it. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Continuing our Exploring the Word series in the book of Romans, we need to pick it up in chapter 11. But before we start 11, in chapter 10, verse 21, gives the context as it rolls into 11. But to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth mine hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Those are the words of the Lord in the Old Testament, talking about the attitudes and behaviors of the Israelites. That they had become, as he says there, a disobedient and gainsaying people. And then rolling right into chapter 11, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. Note here that he points out that he is a descendant of Abraham. And this is by blood, both by his mother and his father. But because of the things that his father had done, and because of his father's position in Rome, or I should say with the Romans in Jerusalem, that he had been granted citizenship as a Roman. Therefore, when he had a child, which was Paul, gone known by Saul back then, that he was also counted as a Roman citizen, not by blood, but by the opportunity that was given to him because his father was considered a Roman citizen. He earned that citizenship. That's when he was arrested. He would bring out to them that you're striking a Roman citizen without due cause. And they could not arrest him, bind him, even handcuff him without going through the due process of law because he was a Roman citizen, even though it wasn't by blood, he had been given that citizenship because of the actions of his father. But by blood, he is an Israelite, a descendant of the tribe of Benjamin. As it continues, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. What ye not, what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so, then at the present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Now, this remnant was preserved. The Lord had already made the covenant with Abraham and said that he would preserve them. Even when the children of Israel had gotten so disobedient that the Lord allowed the Medes and the Persians to come in and take them captive and take them over to Babylon, and they were in the Babylonian captivity for 70 years. He still preserved them. There was a lot of them slaughtered, of course, but he still preserved that bloodline. 
And here he's making reference to that. By grace he preserved them. Verse 6, And if by grace, then is it no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then is it no more grace? Otherwise, work is no more work. When we receive things by grace, it is by unmerited favor. It isn't that we earned something. It's like salvation itself is given to us by grace. Unmerited. We didn't earn it. We didn't work our way to salvation. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. The election, chosen, preserved by God, by grace. The others that were rejecting, that were turned against him, were blinded. Spiritually blinded. Not physically blinded. And note here, when you get into chapter 8, you have in parentheses. If you skip the parentheses... And jump down to the end of chapter 11, verse 8. You see where it says, unto this day. So let's read 7 with that added to it. Because if you notice in the the end of chapter 11, verse 7, where it says blinded, there is no punctuation. There's not a period. There's not a comma at all. Because you have that parentheses applied in there. That's why you've got to be careful when you're studying in the division of the verses, because sometimes you need to combine the verses to get a better, clear understanding of, of what is being said. So let's read 7 without the apprentices. 7 and, and 8, rather, without the apprentices. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which is he seeked for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded unto this day. See how that flows together. And then you can read the part where the apprentices are. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear. See, if you were just to pick up and start reading in verse 8, right after you say, should not hear unto this day, it would come, well, that doesn't really fit that well. Bring it on back up. And the rest were blinded unto this day. Then the sentence follows and flows a little better when you're studying there. All right, continue in verse 9. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see, and bow down their back away. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather... Through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles, insomuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, and might save some of them. He's saying, by his work, seeking out and spreading the gospel to the Gentiles, he's hoping that even by that, that some of the Israelites will see 
the benefits that are coming to the Gentiles, the blessings that are coming to the Gentiles that have turned to the Lord properly, that that may make some of his kinsfolk, the Israelites, turn to the Lord as well. For if the casting away of them by the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against that branch. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. So he's letting them know here that they are not of the original tree, the olive tree is what he's speaking of, that they have been grafted in, brought in, a outsider brought in to it and attached to it. Even though the tree started out, had some bad branches, those branches were cut off and cast away. Those are the unbelievers, the non-believers, the rejectors. And then that made available spaces for the Gentiles. And not to be too puffed up about this is what he speaks of also. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. They weren't broken off just to allow room for the Gentiles. They were broken off because unbelief. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. Like, don't think something special about yourself. Don't be so high-minded because you have received salvation. It is by grace. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. Like don't think you're going to be spared chastisement because you're a Gentile and this has been opened up to you. Don't think that you're going to be spared if you turn against the Lord. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. Here he's talking about if the ones that were cast off will turn to the Lord, they can receive salvation and be grafted back in, welcomed into the family of God. Not by the covenant, but by grace, by faith in the Lord. They also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these which be the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Like It's even more likely that the ones that were exposed to the Old Covenant, the teachings and traditions of the Old Covenant, 
they have a basis which makes it a simpler transition from the old covenant into the new covenant and to accept the new covenant, to accept the arrival of the Messiah because of their past. Whereas the Gentiles, without a past belief and understanding of the old covenant, don't have that to begin with. So it's easier for a conversion of a Jew that has a bit of a foundation already to stand on than it is for a Gentile that has no foundation. They're in the sand. They're in some terrible stuff to start with. It's for I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And so Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This is talking about the actual bloodline of Jesus Christ by way of Mary and the the deliverer is what he's speaking of here, Jesus Christ. There is this, verse 27, For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. And of course, that's the new covenant. The washing away of our sins by the finished work of Jesus Christ by his shed blood. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. For the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. The gifts and the calling are there without repentance. That means that it is available to someone before they repent. It is there. It is by grace. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... You become part of the family. Then you repent, which means you turn away from your old ways. You turn away from the sin. It isn't that you turn it away from the sin first and then you become saved, because then it would be of works. The gift is there. You receive the gift, then repentance occurs. It isn't that you repent and then the gift is received. It's got to have it in the right order. Because if you were able to repent and then you receive salvation, then salvation would be of works. Because it was because you repented. But no, you get turn it around the other way. You receive the gift, then you turn away from the sins. Repentance is a primary reaction to receiving the gift. For the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. So the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments 
and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? This is talking about how far beyond our comprehension is the mind of God, the thoughts of God, the processes of God. And it isn't that we could work something and then He owe us something. It doesn't work that way. We could live a thousand lifetimes over and work and work and work for the Lord and never earn the things that He's already given us. For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Kind of a complicated way that he's teaching them here about the difference between the Gentiles and the Jews. And most important message is that the Gentiles are now receiving salvation by grace. Not because they are of the old covenant or because they're of the bloodline of Abraham, but by grace when they accept and receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, when they trust and have faith in him. Is given to them by grace, not not by works. I roll on into chapter twelve. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That one verse right there is so important to a, a proper relationship with God. We come to Him. And we say, Lord, here I am, I am all yours. When you come to that understanding that you are all his, when you come to the understanding that he has bought everybody, he owns everybody, whether they acknowledge and receive that and accept that or not, it's the difference. But when we truly accept that and know that, then we present ourselves a living sacrifice. Here I am, Lord, everything about me is yours. I'm a hunk of clay in your hands. Mold me in whatever you would have me to be. That is the kind of attitude that we need to have. And it says it's only reasonable that we do that. And be not conformed to this world, which is a big problem in the world, always has been and always will be, all the way up to the point of the last days of people wanting to conform to the world, to the worldly things, to satanic things actually. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That alteration of the mind, a renewing of the mind, totally different from what it was prior to salvation. And understand that it comes from the Lord, by grace, that He can give you that new mind and alter everything about you. All of your previous desires of selfishness gets moved away and full focus on what the Lord wants. Not what we want, but what the Lord wants. When we get that in proper alignment, our will then matches the will of God. But when our will is contrary to the will of God, then that displays that we have selfishness and we have not grown as Christians. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable 
and perfect will of God. Not your own will, but the will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. He has dealt to every man the measure of faith. That's why we need to know that when we lack faith, we can come to the Lord and ask for more faith. He gives us a morsel to start with, and it starts to grow. We have that seed as a mustard seed. We plant it properly, apply it properly, and then it can grow and be great and productive. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. See, now he's getting into some clarity on this statement that he made about not thinking too highly of yourself. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Notice, it is a gift, and it is by grace, that the Lord has given us opportunities to apply those gifts, opportunities to apply the skills that He has gifted us with, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly, affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. That preferring one another is a key point where a lot of people mess up. Sometimes they become born-again Christians and early on they still want to hang around with their non-born-again friends and associates back into their old ways and not associating with Christians. And then they get pulled back down into the mire. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business. That's a testimony to the world. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not yourself, but the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. That's a critical one with the constant prayer. That constant communication with the Lord helps you keep your mind right. Helps keep you out of trouble. Distributing to the necessity of saints. Giving to hospitality. It doesn't say distributing to the necessity of the world or of the ungodly or of the lost even, but distributing to the necessity of the saints. Your charitable giving needs to be 
done in a proper manner. You are a steward of the things the Lord has blessed you with. When you take something the Lord's blessed you with and then cast it to the dogs, you have wasted it. When you help an ungodly person continue in their ungodly life, then you have not benefited that person. If you share the gospel, then you've given them a great treasure. That's different. This is talking about if you give someone some substances, you give someone some lifestyle changes to where they can continue at a better, more comfortable existence in their sins, then you haven't benefited them. You need to always apply the gospel to it. You need to always primarily focus on helping them know the Lord as their Savior. Then they become one of the saints. Then they become one of the brethren. Then you can pile all the other stuff on after that. But as the Lord teaches us Himself, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's the primary thing. Then all these things will be added unto you. So we need to mimic that in our giving. First and primarily focus your giving on helping people become born again because that's what's going to last for eternity. Then you can help them with the other stuff. Distributing to the necessity of saints. Given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. This blessing is speaking verbally. This blessing is don't be condemning, judgmentally condemning someone that is your enemy or that has persecuted you. You need to pray for them. You need to help them turn from their wicked ways. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. That's a difficult one there for people apparently because this division has been going on that we see today has been going on from right from the beginning of the New Testament church. Splits and controversies and issues and schisms and divisions, and it shouldn't be that way. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. He gets back into that high-mindedness, that haughtiness, that pride that comes upon some people when they are blessed with a gift from the Lord, as if it was something they achieved. Recompense to no man evil for evil. That payback stuff is so easily done and so quickly done. We shouldn't be doing such a thing. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Once again, he's talking about that honesty. Earlier, he was he mentioned about not slothful in business. And now here also, not to be dishonest. So you are not to be slothful, which is neglecting or lazy or even to the point of deceiving. And here, speaking of that and being honest in the sight of all men. Because it's her testimony. When we're given a task to do, do it with your full might as if you're doing it unto the Lord. And verse 18 is a very interesting one here. Is if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Letting us know that sometimes it's not possible to live peaceably with some folks. They are so contrary, they are so anti-Christ that we need to just lift them up and say, Lord, they're yours. I can't do nothing else with them. I'm going to, as he tells the disciples there, to shake the dust off your feet and walk away. They lift them up and give them to the Lord. Sometimes you cannot be at peace with people. We see this 
on the small scale, individuals as well as complete nations, that we need to just wipe our hands from it, lift them up, give them to the Lord, and not have anything to do with them. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Sometimes it's not possible. Lift them up, give them to the Lord. Pray for them. Don't condemn them. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. You have these enemies out there? Don't be given to pay back yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And he'll do a lot better job at it than we will. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. They will feel so bad when you're helping them and they're trying to hurt you that they might back off on trying to hurt you. And also feeding them, feed them the Word of God. Feed them the Lord, the drink, the everlasting water that He speaks of. And in verse 21, wraps it up so well. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And that's what it's about. Overcoming that evil with good, with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank You oh so much for Your Word. It's so current. The things that are going on around the world today, it seems like this would reply so well. And in our individual lives and families as well. Help us always to turn to Your Word to find the guidelines we need. And let us all get ourselves out of the way and let You come forward and be Your will be done, not our will. Thank you so much as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.